Hello and welcome to the New Zealand Initiatives podcast. My name is Oliver Hartwig. I'm joined here in the studio by my colleague Michael Johnston. And we have a special guest on Zoom from Christchurch. We have Professor Antje Barabash. Nice to have you on our podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. We have to introduce you to our listeners because you're just visiting New Zealand. You're visiting from Switzerland where you are a professor at the Swiss University for Vocational and Educational Training. Or how does this work? I don't think we have a university of it is something we vocational need to training. Exactly. So you're working at a f Swiss federal university for vocational training. Explain, what yes, is this? Yes, uh, quite an innovation. So we became a university a year ago and have been in a research and teaching institute before. So it's a federal university based in the three language regions of the country, overseeing anything related to vocational education and training. Wonderful. We've invited you onto the podcast because we are interested not just in school education, and that's Michael's topic, of course, but we're also really interested in vocational education and training, especially in the Swiss dual education system. Bit of a background here. We took our members to Switzerland now almost six years ago. And one of the things that members discovered there was vocational education and training, the dual education system where after school, many young people spend a lot of time between further schooling and working in companies and gaining practical experience. And this is your field. And you are here in New Zealand currently mainly in Christchurch, to compare, to see how New Zealand does things, but also to tell us about what's happening in Switzerland. So that's what we want to talk about. But maybe if you give us a bit of a background about yourself first. How did you end up in this field? Yeah, that's a long story. I tried to cut it short. So basically, my life started with a big interest in traveling, and I studied geography. And after that, became a lecturer at the vocational, higher vocational college and taught for four years acquired a master in education, adult education and vocational education and training next to it. And then my interest in researching that field was really awakened. And I went to the United States, did a PhD in educational policy studies, worked at American universities as a guest at Canadian universities, and in Germany for a couple of years afterwards, emerging into research in that field. And then due to my interest in policy and traveling, I moved to Greece, worked for a European agency entirely concerned with research and policy across Europe in the field of that, which is the abbreviation for vocational education and training. And about eight years ago, I started to be a professor at our now university in Switzerland, again, researching, teaching and learning mainly in the field of that. And Switzerland really is the mecca of vocational education and training. There's no country doing it better than Switzerland. Is that right? I would agree. <laughs> it would be of interest to our listeners, I think, to understand a bit more about the, the dual education model they use in Switzerland. Could you, could you explain how that works, please? Yes. So basically, the vocational training is largely and mainly done in enterprises in Switzerland and also public institutions may offer apprenticeships. So overall, we can say that about 70% of students leaving high school would start an apprenticeship in Switzerland and they 70%. go to enterprises or institutions. 
Yes, that it's, is the very, it's the highest high. number in the world. Yeah, and and this wouldn't be just in trades and the, the things that New Zealanders might traditionally think of as being apprenticeships. It could be perhaps in the public service or in a corporation, this kind of thing. Yes, that's correct. So we have about 230 professions for which an apprenticeship is available. And it can be really in all kinds of institutions. So that's blue Even collar and white collar. Even has apprentices. Right. So yes. what what, what yeah. kinds of white collar jobs that in New Zealand would typically require a university degree are available and accessible through the dual education system in Switzerland? Mm -hmm. There is a number of positions in the in the in the merchandising or business uh, field, so to speak. That's also the largest number of apprenticeships. So there's a large variety of office workers. You would maybe call them working for banks, insurances in HR sections, you know, uh, with, with taxes. So there's all these different office jobs for which we have apprenticeships. And how does it work in terms of credentialing? So a young person leaves school and perhaps gets a job in a company as an apprentice in some perhaps white-collar role in marketing or, or, or some such. How, how do they get a qualification that way? So they would work about three days a week within the enterprise or institution. They go to a vocational school, one to two days per week. And then in addition, for quite a number of apprenticeships, we have training centers where they acquire the basic skills needed, especially in the trades that's quite important because they're not immediately placeable within the workplace. And so the weeks are usually distributed or the days of the week are distributed between these different learning places. So they're, they're working and, and studying at the same time. What kind of relationship exists between the place they're studying and the place they're working? How is that connected up? Well, it's more or less connected. So in the best case scenario, what is learned in the school is also in parallel practice within the enterprise although a strong alignment is not always the case. Nevertheless, the school teaches a number of more theoretic subjects, also to improve numeracy and literacy skills, and some more theoretical knowledge about technical issues, for example, you know, depending on the profession, whatever is needed. And then the workplace introduces the apprentice to first more easy, easier skills uh, and tasks, and, and then gradually apprentices would be able to also fulfill skilled work. And, and in this way, also the enterprise can recoup the costs invested in apprenticeships. Before we go further into the details on the organization of dual education, can you tell us something about the cultural position of dual education? It is something that is highly respected in Switzerland, it is widely accepted, and there is a parity of esteem between dual education and going to university, is that right? Yes, that's largely right, especially in the German-speaking part of Switzerland, which has a very long tradition of apprenticeship training. So um, you would easily find highly achieved people in Switzerland in all kinds of CEO positions who are entirely fine with their children going into vocational education and training and starting their career with an apprenticeship. So it is widely acknowledged as a good education in society and only about 20-25% of the student cohort 
Coming out of high school, would do their, uh, also would, would do a baccalaureate in order to study at a university. So it's rather a small percentage and Switzerland has kept these numbers fairly stable in terms of who starts with an apprenticeship and who starts with university. But it's also a flexible system in a sense. You can do the apprenticeship first and then later on in life decide, actually, I still want to study something afterwards. Yes, that's widely known. So the apprenticeship is just a start into the working life. And it's really viewed as that, as well as a good preparation for life in general, because people mature quite strongly during these three to four years. And afterwards, a lot of different pathways are possible and are also taken up by a strong proportion of, of the workforce. So the Swiss in general take up a lot of different kinds of courses or additional credentials to engage in further learning and then move up in their posts. Now, I mentioned earlier that Switzerland is regarded as having one of the world's best vocational educational training systems, and, and you agreed with that. But is it universally popular? Is it something that just the employers like? Is it something that is mainly popular with apprentices? Or how is it regarded actually within Switzerland from different views? Well, because we, we regularly have public debates, you know, so there is a part of the population that would like to see more students acquiring their Abitur. And this is mainly influenced by the neighboring countries. So in France, Italy, and Italy, apprenticeships are not very known and also don't have a very high reputation. In Germany, apprenticeships are known and still have a good reputation. But still, you have a higher percentage of students in Germany who acquire their baccalaureate and at least would have the ambition to move on into higher education straight away. So the apprenticeship is not as highly regarded in Germany anymore as it is in Switzerland. Just to uh, clarify for our listeners, the Abitur, this is a school leaving examination. I'm aware of it in the German system, and I'm assuming it also occurs in the Swiss system. Yes, it's exactly the same. So following on from that, I'm interested in how the high school system interfaces with this apprenticeship system. I'm aware that in Germany, students are tracked quite young into different kinds of high school, the gymnasium or the Hauptschulen or Realschulen. Is that the case in Switzerland as well, or is there a more unified high school system there? Uh, the high school system is a bit more unified, although it also varies slightly in its structure uh, between the cantons. So the decision about how to move on is usually made at the age of 14 in grade 8. Right, and that's when you get selected into different streams effectively. Yes, because, I mean, the early school leavers would be about 15, leaving after nine years of school. And it's quite common that youngsters at the age of 15, 16, would start an apprenticeship. How is the system funded? Do the students have uh, a fee to pay to the institutions where they're studying, or is that shared or borne by the employer? How, how does all that work? Mm -hmm. So the main funder of apprenticeships are the employers. They pay the salaries. They pay for the trainers within their companies. They pay for the training centers, and to some extent, may also pay for the trainers there. So a lot of costs are really borne by the enterprises. The state only provides a small contribution. So the state, the federation would pay for research in the field. That's a big chunk. 
for a number of administrative bodies overseeing the system. So the governance overall is is provided by the by the government. And the cantons, they mainly pay for the schools, the vocational schools, and also to some extent uh, research. It seems a little of a risk for a company to be doing that. Somebody, a young person comes in to do the apprenticeship and perhaps, you know, they're not tremendously productive at first and they're being paid a salary by, by the company. And not only that, the company is paying for them to study. What's to stop them just leaving after that with the skills and credential they've got and then the company doesn't really get the full benefit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, a number of reasons. We Every other year we conduct a big countrywide study on costs and benefits of uh, vocational education and training. And these studies have shown uh, over time that across all sectors and across all apprenticeships, it pays off for enterprises. So, you know, looking at the opportunity costs in terms of recruiting new staff, training new staff who comes in and all of that, and the contribution of apprentices either as low-skilled workers at the beginning of the apprenticeship up to skilled workers towards the end of the apprenticeship basically ends up being a positive calculation for the enterprises across the board. Although looking at specific apprenticeships or industries, it may not be the case. So in order to recoup the costs there, it's important to keep the apprentices after they are finishing the apprenticeship for a few years. And it also depends on the industry culture. Uh, So there is industries who know they will get always well-qualified workers from other enterprises who train just as well. So there's a lot of trust in the system overall. And they prefer their apprentices to either move on with education and then come back back better qualified or to just gain additional work experiences in other companies. It it sounds as if there's something of a collective mentality amongst the the business community there in terms of what they might lose with one apprentice moving on, they might gain with a graduate coming in or something like that. Yes, that's definitely the case. And then, you know, looking at the different industries, there's industries that are rather stable, like the public transportation sector or the post, some of the merchant, this big merchandising chains, they are very stable. So they know how many workers they will need in three to four years from now and would take an according apprenticeship number. Other companies don't really know that the mechanical engineering sector is prone to changes in the marketplace. So they never know if they can really keep these apprentices or not, but they know they need a supply of workers as an industry. And so they would still invest in apprenticeships to to have capable workers available, even if it's unpredictable, if they can really offer a contract straight after the apprenticeship. There has been a global push toward getting a larger percentage of young people into universities, and especially a push from the OECD. For many years, the OECD didn't actually really regard apprenticeships as a kind of valid form or an equal form of higher education. Has that had an impact on Switzerland? And how has Switzerland actually responded to this OECD push? Yeah, Switzerland relied on its assets in terms of having this very strong apprenticeship system and always argued for it. So in Switzerland, the numbers in terms of which institution young people would go to have, have 
uh, changed very, very little. So it's uh, so you've basically ignored it. You've ignored the international yeah, pressure. So. In, uh, in true Swiss style, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps we should turn now to your uh, visit to New Zealand. What what brought you to New Zealand? Well, there were two or three reasons. One was just a personal interest in the country because I've heard so many good things about New Zealand and I had, I had never been here. And even my visit to Australia was 30 years ago. So I was just very interested in getting to know the country and even more so the people. I had heard a lot of good things about the but Kiwis. You, and you had, um, the yes? Sorry, you, you have undertaken some professional activities here as well. Exactly. So basically, in, in research about vocational education and training, the New Zealand is not very known. Hardly anyone knows anything about training here. There are very, very few scholars who have published a few articles with the time, limited time given to them. And even the Australian colleagues told me that they don't understand how it works in New Zealand. So uh, that was a good leak. <laughs> To, to fill with research, you know, to, to learn more about how vocational education and training in an advanced society as New Zealand is actually functioning. And also, I'm always on the lookout for innovations in vocational education and training. And so I was hoping to find something here. And, and did, did you? you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> well... <laughs> Um, in, in my field of expertise at the moment, that would be difficult to answer. Did, did you find much that is worth studying in New Zealand when it comes to vocational training? I think it is still very interesting to see where Te Pukenga is moving. That's the former Polytechs. Uh, yes, that's the former Polytechs who have been united now and reorganized, and this is still ongoing, and it's a, it's a mega reform in the country, which is quite impressive. I've never seen such a radical reform in any other country. So is that this a good is thing? interesting to study per se. It's difficult to say it. I, I'm, from an outside perspective, I wonder culturally how, how this is all uh, taken up and, and playing out at the end. I think for uh, many... But these institutions... Oh, sorry. Hmm? Sorry, uh, I think from an inside perspective, we could say it's been a bit of a shambles, actually. I think that's fairly uncontroversial in New Zealand, but we, we won't make you say that. <laughs> yeah, so basically what, what I find interesting is, on the one hand, New Zealand can benefit, benefit a lot from the, I would call it, brain drain and brain gain. There's a lot of exchange with the world because people from New Zealand go abroad a lot, but also there's a lot of influx of others. And uh, this also influences the culture within the polytechnics and the way teaching is done. And it, it has quite a few very positive effects, I, I would say. Another interesting development is that the polytechnic seems to unite what we have as separate institutions in Switzerland uh, in Germany. So it provides education at the levels one to five, which would equal somewhat vocational, initial vocational education and training. But it also provides education at higher levels of the NQF. And this would rather equal either higher vocational education and training or even University of Applied Science educational programs. And so you combining different educational cultures and approaches within one institution. And that's quite an interesting approach. So it's definitely worth looking at that. 
The one thing New Zealand has not, at least not to the same degree as Switzerland, is the integration of the private sector into providing vocational training. Is that something that you think could be introduced relatively easily here? Or is that really a system that requires all of Switzerland's cultural background to make work? Yeah, interesting question as well. I've interviewed people from some trades, and it seems in certain trades like plumbing or electrics, apprenticeships are well established. I had the impression that the apprenticeships are under taking place under harder, more difficult conditions than in Switzerland. But it is a well-established system, and there seems to be a very high commitment. In many other or many other occupations, apprenticeships seem to not exist. At the same time, there's very strong educational institutions with a strong identity and with a strong sense of maintaining themselves. And there's also fairly strong governmental institutions who are interfering with the system and now steering it in, a, in new directions. And in Switzerland, the dynamic is a different one. So in Switzerland, I would argue the main drivers of vocational education by far are the companies, the enterprises. And it's a, it's a strong subsidiary system. So it's driven by industry and the government provides a support structure, you know, to keep certain regulations in place and uh, a certain alignment across the country, you know, to ensure uh, quality. But that's very much the opposite of what's happening here then. So in Switzerland, you have a very decentralized system as everything is in Switzerland. Everything is decentralized. Mm -hmm. And in New Zealand, we have just gone the opposite way, where we have actually merged all the politics into one entity. Which was done exactly, through, a, yeah. through a political process, in fact. It wasn't something they decided to do, but something done to them. Right, right. Yeah, and I think I personally think that a, a strong centralization in education is maybe not the best approach when it comes to vocational education and training, because industry really knows best what they need, they understand how the skills needed at the workplace are delivered. And if they are given enough scope for maneuver, you know, and can organize themselves, then I think that also leads to innovations within apprenticeship training, because uh, there are new requirements for workers at the workplaces and industry can respond to that rather fast and needs to because they have that interest in ensuring that the future workforce is prepared of the changing world of work. And uh, schools don't have the same uh, attachment to the world of work mm. and also to some extent uh, follow different ideas and, and, and motivations. What we need to ensure, though, is that these very young people are sufficiently accompanied you know, by by people who help them in their pathway to more maturity, so to say. So they cannot be left alone and then end up as low-skilled workers in an enterprise. So certain quality standards most likely also need to be ensured by outside institutions. Great. Well, then, thank you very much for sharing your insights with us today on the podcast. We hope you learned a lot about the New Zealand system and We actually also hope that we will learn a lot about the Swiss system. Thank you, Antje. Enjoy the rest of your time in our country. Thank you very much.